Welcome to the CJOE Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with Jason Gunlickson in studio about his experience at the Briar, his first ever trip. What did he learn? What's next for Gunner? Also, we'll talk to Leah Hextall about the Winnipeg Jets' good run here, as well as, as her first NHL play-by-play experience. It was awesome. How did it go? You'll find out on the podcast. After his first Briar trip, we welcome back into the studio Jason Gunlickson, skip of Team Manitoba. Jason, how are you doing tonight? Very well. Thanks for having me on. So, you go to the Briar. How was it? Oh, it was an adventure right from the start. Even getting there was an adventure. How many flights did you have canceled? We had about three flights canceled. At one point, we had the rental car keys in our hands. We're just like, we're just driving there. We're not missing our first prior from Winnipeg. It's like two days. <laughs> and uh, it ended up working out. We flew to Thunder Bay, slept on the uh, in the airport in Thunder Ugh. Bay. The Special Olympics competition was going on, so there was no hotel to be seen. Ugh. So we uh, did that and then got to Toronto, drove from Toronto to Kingston and made it just in time for all the festivities. So, so yeah, because when you were on before the bra, you said you were heading out. Was it Thursday morning? Yeah, Thursday morning quickly became, we got there Friday evening. So Right for the wild card game. <laughs> right, right to watch uh, that battle. Did yeah. that affect you at all on Saturday? I mean, at the end of the week, it probably cumulatively like is a little more, but we were pretty ready to go and pretty prepared, and uh, really everything went pretty nice. It, it was kind of had more of a normal Bonspiel feel. It, there wasn't that extra time. It was kind of go, 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 so it was nice. Okay, so was it intimidating at all, your first briar? Honestly, it was it was so fun and like kind of the only thing is just it is long like right. like even even playing in the trials or something you know uh, very similar in a lot of ways but the, the Briars just just all the fun off the ice and all the um, just all all the excitement in the town Kingston did a great job. I even had a baby Yoda curler ice sculpture. <laughs> wow. Like they had, they they went all out. They had these like scarves and things um, in every store, and it was really well supported. So it was, it was a fun event to be part of. And I heard on the TV broadcast a lot of good things about the facility itself. It's not a very old building. The Scotties were there a few years ago. Was the ice? As good as it sounded on TV? Yeah, the ice was fantastic. No, I mean, Greg Owasco, you know, a Manitoba guy, did a great job and uh, made it a lot of fun for the players. And it was interesting. Like, as long as you like the like hip music, because you're getting a your steady <laughs> dose of Tragically Hip, it's Tragically right. Hip way, and you're getting Tragically Hip from the moment you get in Kingston until you leave. Well, well, if you're fine with that. Well, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm all for it. That's awesome. So the action on the ice, you go 5-2 and two in the pool play. Were you satisfied with where you were at that point? There were some cr- oh, like down to the wire games, wins and losses for your team. Yeah, it was a, definitely a battle. I mean, I think we were really excited with five and two. I mean, we we uh, felt like you know probably six and one was about our cap in that seven games, and you know five and two is what we were really looking for. Um, so we were pretty pretty you know excited with where things went, and we had like you said, we had a couple of. Uh, really squeaker battle crazy shot games so it was a lot of fun but it, it was amazing after two or three days like holy crow this is like a third over and this feels exhausting so i think the one everyone points to is the one against pei yeah it was it was that was i've never experienced anything like that it was uh yeah it was it was wild i mean the game that we basically you know really going into it felt like we should win it's a good experienced team but you know we feel like we should get that win a little bit easier than we did but in the end to win it was just you know, jubilation. So if you throw that shot 10 times, how many times do you make it? We we were playing this game, and we said between 2 and 5%, depending on uh, <laughs> okay. depending on the ice. 
And this ice was great for hitting? Yeah, it was very good for pretty much everything. Okay. And uh, yeah, we had one day where it poured rain the whole day, so that day was tougher. But other than that, it was basically perfect, which is why you saw like the best teams in the world putting up ridiculous numbers day in, day out. People just weren't really missing much. So. Then it wasn't just your shot. There were shots from Brad Gushu, Brad Jacobs, Matt Dunstone with a number of amazing shots. Uh, I've heard people say Kevin Cooey as well. This is one of the, the best briars in terms of the shot making we saw ever. Well, I think so. And I think you kind of, anytime um, the, the now with Team Canada coming from Alberta, so you, you get one more, um, you know, touring, slamming, elite team kind of in the field. It, it just helps. And then with perfect ice, it was wild. I'll tell one quick, oh, quick little story. So Matt and I kind of had like an unofficial selly contest because both of us get a little too excited probably. So he had a ridiculously awesome celebration when uh, he won against BC. He made this ridiculous shot and got For four, four yeah. um, to win. And then we made this ridiculous shot against PI to win. So we were kind of like back and forth in the text, kind of smiley face, smiley face. But then we played Matt, and he made a ridiculous shot to beat us, That's which right. is not nearly as much fun. And <laughs> so then I'm eating lunch between games, and I get a text from him with a little smiley face. I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. No, the shot making was out of this world. And and it's fun as a player when the ice is so good because, like, people see this, and, and it's impressive. Like, when the ice is really bad, I mean, even though – the players are very good. It still doesn't look that impressive, but it looked pretty impressive in Kingston. Yeah, Matt Dunstone, obviously one of the up-and-comers in this in this country from Winnipeg, lives in BC, skipping in Saskatchewan. That's kind of the epitome of curling right now. Yeah, that is a little bit wild. But he was one of the maybe the breakout stars of this event. Yeah, their team was fantastic. It's actually funny. We've been in this battle all season in the rankings. Um you know, kind of leapfrogging each other like about six different times this year. So we've been, we're, we're always kind of in a little, you know, we all know each other well and a little bit of a battle and they just, they just played great all week. And uh, yeah, like you say, definitely a, a breakout, you know, moment for that team. And I, I think that it's, it's good to see like Botcher, obviously the three straight finals, but I mean, he's under 30 and Matt being, you know, 24 or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good to see because I think that's something that Canada maybe has been struggling a little bit with the men's side is that we're so good, it's so hard for people to break in that you don't get that turnover. And we're seeing a little bit of both. I mean, there's a lot of great veteran teams, but also some up-and-coming teams. So the championship pool didn't go as well for your team. No. Didn't win a game. We could go with that. We could go 0-4 is usually not going well. Yep, I can go with that, Christian. <laughs> but do you feel satisfied with overall how the week went for your team yeah i mean it's always disappointing to you know finish on uh, like a little bit of a sour note as far as performance goes um personally the last day i didn't play very well so that was you know the kind of things that you reflect on but as a team you know we we did well we were like i said we're really happy with that first pool going five and two and we played a couple games in the second pool that we really had some chances to to win um matt made a kind of a hero shot to beat us so i mean that could have kind of changed where we're at but we also realize we're playing the very best teams in the world so like there's not a lot of margin and if you're not completely sharp uh you know so i think that we probably are a little bit frustrated with that but on the other hand overall we were pretty happy and we got a great opportunity to learn now and like see how we could be a little bit better to to make that happen and i think that's I don't know. There's a lot of people who the first time they go to the Briar, the record's not as good as they'd hope, but they come back the next time and really, uh, really, you know, kind of shock everybody a bit. And now the you look ahead and you got there. There has to be a next time. Now you got to get out of Manitoba again. Oh, That's no goodness. easy task. Yeah, yeah, they've got four all stars there on Team McEwen. We got to beat through. No, no, it was you know that's always a challenge. But on the other hand, 
you know, I think I think it will be easier to get out again. Mm-hmm. Once doing it once, I think really helps. And but also, you know, we always know that that's why we put in all the effort and time and play in all these events to have as high of rankings as we can, so that we give ourselves two shots. Like you want to get your chance in Manitoba and you want to get your wild card. And this year, I mean, McEwen's team did a great job taking advantage of that wild card. And you know, historically, the wild cards teams have done very well. So that's kind of. Our next goal is obviously to try and win Manitoba again, but also to make sure we position ourselves so we get that second chance if we need it. What time to get home? Oh goodness, I was home Saturday at noon. It was ridiculous. Oh. It? Yeah, <laughs> it was. I don't know what happened. Something. The flights were all weird. So, but they I didn't get cancelled right this time. No, exactly. So I was like, okay, if I've got a flight, I better get on it because who knows when I'm getting home. So no, right. it was. It was a lot of. It was short that way, but it was ready to be home. So now what? Now what we got, uh, we we qualified the cutoff uh, for the Grand Slam of Curling Players Championship, which is kind of the most prestigious event. I don't know, follow tennis, like they have their Elite Eight kind of event that they have in London every year. Yeah. And, you know, players, same with golf, the 30 golfers. So it's only 12 teams, best 12 um, ranked teams in the world. So it's a fantastic event, a really grueling um, Where is it? challenge in Toronto at the Old Mayfleet Gardens, yeah. which is one of the by far the coolest place I've ever curled. Um, just yeah, you got that old ceiling, um, just just a beautiful uh, facility. So yeah, that's in about a month now. So we're really gearing up for that, and you know it's always kind of a highlight of our uh, season. What about outside of curling? Outside of curling, it's time to work. Uh, yeah, the briar was definitely a big distraction from uh, you know business and, and that sort of thing. So you know got a big list of to do right now and what do you do working i'm a painting contractor so if you need your house painted or something like this uh reach out dv painting and we uh <laughs> we love to uh you know paint houses and office buildings and things like that so there isn't really an off season is there it well, really doesn't end much anymore no i mean it's become like like this is a battle we have in the sport right it's become a lot more professional which is awesome but with that comes you know um, you know, more media requests, more um, more work with sponsors. We need a huge corporate backing, which we're so thankful for all of our partners there. Um, I'm not going to turn this into commercial, but thank you guys. You know who you are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we that's one of the big things is we hope that through, you know, being Team Manitoba at the Briar, we can continue to develop those things so that we can put more and more time into the game, which leads to being better. I mean, it's a pretty simple uh pretty simple loop but you know you need to put more more into it you get better you get better results and you keep going so before i let you go i read an article yesterday uh wondering if curling is taking too long to play and it was about maybe reducing the game to eight ends or putting in a different timing clock where you only have a, a, a clock per end yeah to work with do you feel like a shortening the games is inevitable at, at the higher levels because there are many bond spiels where it is just eight ends Yes. But at the higher ends, like the Briar and the Scotties and whatnot, it's 10. Yeah, in the Olympics. I mean, it's, yeah. the Olympics is kind of what... I, I I think it's inevitable eventually it will go to 8. But I also remember we had this conversation, and I was talking with um, Brad Gushu and a few other people, and we were saying, like, we could play on half the amount of time. Like, if you sh- shrunk the t- time clock in half, the quality of play would be no worse. Hmm. But we said, what is amazing about curling, the product is listening to us talk about strategy. Yes. The fact that we're mic'd up and that we can't hide and like everything we think and want to communicate to our teammates has to be said out loud to a million people is the product. So if we shorten it too much, the excitement of what is interesting about watching goes away. So it's a fine line. I mean, one of the huge advantages we have is those mics and 
the fact that everyone gets to talk. So, um, and be heard, I guess, really. So I, I think it's a balance. I mean, I think they're always looking to tinker, but I would hope they don't make too drastic of steps too quickly. Because I think one thing people don't like is when you're just tossing it up and down the ice and it's a blank and it's a blank. And if you shorten the time, you might get more of that. It's possible. But like, honestly, the blanks come from the fact that the people you're playing are just so good. You, well, yes. you have to respect them. It's kind of like the U.S. Open of golf. Like if you make it too, too hard, like you get forced to play conservatively almost. Right. And I think that's kind of happened a little bit at the Briar. I mean, I think there's other ways they could solve the blank thing without shortening the time. Well, it's not like they just put a rock in the house and then you just hit, hit, hit. There were six rocks in play with four to go. And it's a blank because the teams are so good at hitting. Yes, very much so. And there were some crazy blanks. And, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm a fan. I can really appreciate a good blank, but I understand lots of people don't, you know, like that as much. But I think there's other rules you could go to with, um, like, modifying a free guard zone that allowed um, some shots to be protected, even in the house or something, to build get more of a buildup before the smashing started. But as far as rushing the game, I'm a little against that. Okay, Jason. Well, I appreciate you coming in again. Congratulations on getting to the briar, and we'll... Check in with you maybe next year once you're qualified again. For sure. That would be lovely. Thanks so much. Winnipeg Jets have won three straight. They are healthy. Things seem to be feeling good right now. Is it here to last? Let's talk about the Jets now with our hockey expert correspondent, Leah Hextall. Leah, have you, how impressed have you been with the Winnipeg Jets' recent run of play? Well, I think you just nailed it right there, Christian. This is finally a, a Jets team that if they hadn't had such a rotation to the infirmary this season, that we would have likely seen for the majority of the year. But that being said, players still have to play. And right now, I think you have a team that is just very focused. They understand the task at hand. And they know that literally every night that they want to control their own destiny. They don't want to have to rely on another team losing in order to get into the playoffs. And they know that every single point matters. And they're playing like a team that is aware. And I would say, though, at the end of the day, too, they're also getting phenomenal Vesna-type goaltending from Connor Hellebuck. They've got 12 games left. Most of them are on the road against pretty good teams. They've got Edmonton. They've got Calgary. They've got Vancouver. They've got Dallas, Nashville, Colorado. They're going to earn it if they make the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to have to. And I mean, there's no other way that you really want to get into it. But I mean, it, it's doable. And I, that's all you really can ask for at this time of year. You know, we've talked about this before, Christian. This is a team this year that I still look to the job that Paul Maurice and the coaching staff has done, coupled with the injuries. But this is a team that going into the season, yes, they have skill, but there's a lot of loss on the back end. You add on the Bufflin situation. We all know the story of them this year. But this is a team that I expected to be exactly where they are right now fighting and clawing for a playoff spot. There was never going to be just this clear path for them to be a top team like they were a couple seasons ago within the Western Conference. This was a middle-of-the-pack team in the National Hockey League that was going to have to fight to get into the playoffs. But I will say this, Christian, I think with the way that they're playing right now, and I saw it the other night in Calgary, you have teams that have had to flip the switch ever since the All-Star break. And I do believe that if Winnipeg can get their way in, now with their health, Sometimes the fact that these players have been injured, they get, you know, their bodies get some time, yes, to heal from that injury, but they also get some rest. And they've got a lot of players who have missed a lot of time. And if they get into the playoffs, Christian, this could be a team that could make some noise. And last year we heard they didn't want to make the excuse of how 
the Finland trip early on backloaded everything, but it seemed like a team that was not at their freshest down the stretch this year. They've got only one back-to-back left, and that's this weekend. A lot of times they're playing no games for two days, and it seems like a team that's definitely fresher for the home stretch here. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, last night, and I mentioned it in my Hexel on Hockey, just talking about the return of Adam Lowry. This is a guy who's been gone for 20 games, but gets back into the lineup. And even though it was an upper body injury, what do you see him do? He gets physically engaged right away, including a fight. And that really set the tone. I mean, that's just what it's all about. And this team is engaged right now. And what I really noticed is after Lowry got in his fight, they showed a shot of the bench. And Blake Wheeler, you couldn't have wiped that smile off of his face. And we're talking about a guy that sometimes it's hard to make him smile. And you could just see it because he understands that this team understands what they have to do the battle level, the physical engagement, and what they need to do in order to get into the playoffs. And if you have that buy-in, that's really the biggest part of it. So the team acquires Dylan DeMello and Cody Eakin before the trade deadline, not on deadline day. What have you thought of those two? Cody Eakin got his first goal as a Jet last night. I'd say they've it's worked out pretty well so far. I think so too. I mean, listen, these were not, these were, you know, depth, additions and these are two strong players and they're not going to be your elite skill players in the NHL but that's not what the Winnipeg Jets need I mean they have all sorts of firepower up front they've got you know the Andrew Kopps and the Adam Lowry's of the world and Matthew Perot I mean when I look at what they have up front adding Cody Eakin I mean they've got a great forward core and what I love about Dylan DeMello is he's not a guy who's going to come in with a lot of flash and dash he's not an offensive defenseman but he takes care of his own end and I think that's what they need. They need that stabilizing presence on the blue line. They get that in him. And I think those two additions so far have been really strong. And uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting down the stretch here to see where this team goes. But then, you know, you add on the fact that Mark Letestu is skating and assigned to the Manitoba Moose. This is a player that with the heart condition, we didn't think we'd see this season. And there is a chance. Don't know if it'll be before the regular season ends up, because as you mentioned, they've only got, you know, a dozen plus games. But the fact is, is that this is a guy that we might see come in if they can make the playoffs. And that's just another addition, another depth addition. And when you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, your top players, they get focused on. So it's really those bottom six players and those bottom defense pairings that really need to be strong. So it's very exciting to see the Jets where they are right now. But at the end of the day, Christian, they got to get in. And as you mentioned with their schedule, it's not going to be a cakewalk. So 12 games left. How many do you think they have to win? Well, I'm not a mathematician. I will tell everybody that right away. So I'm not the person who can really look at it. But I I would bet on this. Like, I think you need to win. I'm going to guess they need to win eight for sure. Okay. I mean, if they don't, if they don't, they're going to need help. Right. And that's never where you want to be. You never want help. So, I mean, I think they got to win either nine. And that's that's a really tough test. But you know, they could possibly get in, you know, without that. But, like, I just, you know, it's it's so close here. And when you look at what Minnesota's done, I mean, they've won seven of their last ten. They've really started to come, um, you know. And when you look getting in through the division, you're not going to catch St. Louis or Colorado. But Dallas is there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little bit of help. You get some wins, and, and this is a real possibility for them. But it could literally come down to game 81 and 82 of the season. Yeah, they got they close uh, at call at Calgary, at Colorado, at Arizona. 
as their yeah. last three games. And all teams that, well, Avalanche might not have anything to play for, but I bet the Flames and Coyotes will. I, I guarantee you they will. And uh, I really think the Flames will be a team that's going to need to be playing at that time. And, and, you know, I get what you're saying about Colorado, and you never know they might be resting players at that time. But I really don't know. I think, you know, hockey's one of those beasts where you need to be playing your best hockey at the end of the season. And I, I think you're going to see teams just, you know, absolutely going all out until the very end of this 82. Speaking of Calgary, you called a game on Sunday. Calgary <laughs> taking on Vegas. How was that? Well, that was kind of exciting. It was, it was. Uh, you know, Vegas and Calgary gave us a great hockey game. I was alongside Cassie Campbell-Pastel, as, who was providing our color. And, uh, you know, just it was an uh, unreal experience. It was thrilling. Um, no matter what happens next, if I get to call another game uh, or not, I, I call the game at the highest level. And it was so much fun. And uh, I can't say enough, honestly, just about the amazing support that I've received um, not just here locally, but also really across the country and from people in my industry and even people reaching out to me from south of the border and from the NHL. It, it really has been an amazing experience. Yeah. How many people have reached out to you since that? Uh, <laughs> it's been two days, but I imagine you've heard from a lot of people. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I got off and, you know, my phone had a, a few text messages uh, when I got done the game on Sunday. But the most interesting one was that I was trending on Twitter. I mean, I've never trended on Twitter before in my life and never thought I was going to. So that was kind of interesting to see my name there, um, you know, which means enough people were talking about what they were seeing and hearing, uh, good and bad, that is. But still, it was pretty neat. But, um, you know, it's been just the people that I've heard of, like from, and I'm not going to get into it, but... There are people I didn't even think knew I existed. So, and people that I really respect and admire. So, it was uh, it was kind of interesting to see my phone uh, when I got off. I've never been so popular as I have been in the last 24 hours. Let's put it that way. Yeah, sometimes if your name's on Twitter, you, it might not be a good thing. But in this, it's not good. Yeah, maybe I killed somebody or something by accident. No, in this <laughs> case, it was definitely well deserved. So, were you nervous though before the the broadcast started? What were you feeling up there? It was interesting because, um, you know, I've been in this position before where I've, I've done something new. And I remember my very first play-by-play game uh, in the Canadian Women's Hockey League back in 2018. And, and I really thought I was going to throw up. I mean, as, you know, dainty as that sounds, but I really thought I might because I was that nervous. This was a totally different experience. Um, I had a little bit of, uh, you know, the tummy twirls in my hotel, probably about four hours out of the game as I was getting ready to, you know, head to the rink. But I was very calm, and that's not like me because I'm a head case, and I get, you know, I work myself up and I get pretty anxious, but I was pretty calm, and, and I think the reason I was calm is because I had so much confidence in everyone around me and all the people who I was working with, and I knew that if things happened, they would be there to help, but more importantly, I think it's just that I was prepared. Um, this was probably, you know, the easiest game I've done besides the speed of it. Because, you know, when you're calling the Canadian Women's Hockey League or college hockey, these are players that you're really not aware of. You have to learn them. Uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue. And when it came to the NHL game, you know, these are players we've been talking about for decades, some of them, right? So I just felt very comfortable with the names. I felt comfortable in the rink. Calgary's a great place to call a game. It might be the oldest rink in the league, but uh, you're up there. You're right over top of them. You're not too high, really nice and bright. Um, I survived walking over the catwalk there because you have to walk over yep. center ice and it's crazy scary, but it was a unique experience. Um, but, you know, I really was pretty calm and it kind of surprised me. And then we went out there and, you know what, I, I thought we delivered a great hockey game. And 
Um, and that's the most important part is I thought this wasn't about as much as it was. It was a statement by Sportsman. It was a full female broadcast. But, I mean, I really thought that, you know, within a couple minutes, it's just Leah and Cassie calling the hockey game. And that, that's the goal. You just want it to be the norm. Well, a guy, the guy who uh, runs the gym I go to today said, did you check out the broadcast on Sunday? I said, yeah. And he said, they're really good. And I'm like, yeah, of course they were. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's another yeah. game, right? And, and in a way, we want to get to a point where it is, you know, you're not caught off guard by women calling the game. We're not there yet, obviously. It's a great first step, though. It, it is a great first step. And, you know, and I think for me, just the fact that I always, you know, I felt that, yeah, I could, I could call in the NHL. I can do this. But now I know I can. And, you know, the speed of the game is incredible up there. But they're also such you know, talented hockey players that every pass is, you know, tape to tape and it's just so fluid. So it actually makes your ability to call easier, you know. Um, so so that was interesting to me to see like that. It was almost an easier game than any of my other ones have been. Um, but, you know, you do want to get there. It might have been my first. I hope it's not my last. But uh, the next time I do it, you know, I would love to do every single game with Cassie. But, you know, it'd be interesting to hear a female and a male voice calling a game. I think that would be excellent. So, um, I'm really looking forward to it, and you know everyone at Sportsnet was extremely supportive. They were very happy with it on every level uh, for everyone on the game, not just myself. And uh, we had a we had a great Sunday, and then we celebrated with a little bit of wine after. All right, Leah. Well, congratulations on it. It sounded amazing. Appreciate you coming on as always, and we'll check in closer to the playoffs. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?